Thanks for joining us for this week's message here at NAPNAS. We're glad you could tune in with us. We pray that as you listen, you walk away from this podcast encouraged, inspired, and uplifted by the power of God and His Word. Good morning. It's great to see you today. Everybody survive a holiday weekend, correct? I know one of you here had the cops called on you last night. I won't say who, but um, shooting too many fireworks off, I guess. Uh, We'll let you just think about that during service, right? Probably shouldn't have done that because you're not going to hear a word I said. Just that they're trying to, you know, (laughs) deduct down and process of elimination who that could be. But uh, it's great to see you today. Uh, You know, for us, uh, we're going to start a new series today uh, that will stretch over July and August. Uh, Something that's just really been on my heart. And uh, I'm excited to, to share uh, what God's word has to say. Uh, I, I think that uh, what we're gonna look at can be really transformational in our lives. And so I'm excited about that, but I wanna start the series this way. And I wanna talk about a, a, a man named Danny. Danny uh, was a thrill, or is a thrill seeker. Um, his jam is skydiving, uh, hang gliding, mountain climbing, uh, that's his hobby. Mine's golf. Um, uh, his was skydiving, right? Uh, or is skydiving. He's a thrill seeker. And inevitably, his thrill seeking led him to Iowa. Can you believe that? Come on now. <laughs> that's what I thought. As soon as I say thrill seeker landing in Iowa, um, you're probably looking at me a little jaded there. I'm from Iowa, for those of you who don't know uh, where I'm from. So absolutely, a thrill seeker lands in Iowa. There's so much there. But he, uh, he ends up doing what they call spelunking. Anybody know what spelunking is? If you look it up, spelunking is cave exploration. And so he decided to try his hand at spelunking. And in Iowa, there are, uh, there's a, a good many opportunities to do that. And uh, Danny shares... Uh, that he showed up in Iowa, Mr. Thrill Seeker, Mr. Adrenaline Junkie, and uh, he finds a, a place that he wants to spelunk. He hires a guide. And so him and the guide head down. And he said, uh, you know, he was a little taken back uh, how far down they went as they started this journey. Uh, he was like, wow, this is, this is really deep underneath. And uh, he said they went for a while and they came to this pathway. And... The guide was like, okay, now we're going to go through this pathway. And on the other side of this pathway is uh, an opening and a cave that you're just going to be, you're going to be blown away with, a chamber in this cave. He's like, okay, no big deal. It sounds great. He did notice when he, when he got to the pathway that to start into the pathway, you had to stoop down. And uh, no big deal. So he stoops down and begins to follow the guide. And it's just a little bit of matter of time before all of a sudden he can't stoop down anymore. He has to kneel down on his hands and feet. Now they're moving down this pathway toward this amazing thing, right? And it was only a matter of time before kneeling wasn't available either. And he said before he knew it, he was laying on his back 
moving along this pathway where he had to use his hands to reach up and push himself forward. I, I, I've thought about this and, and Danny and I thought, you know, I've kind of been there too. Um, I was in kind of one of these situations, but it wasn't in a cave. It was at the city museum in St. Louis. Um, if you've ever been to the city museum in St. Louis, it's incredible. I mean, amazing. If you're ever going through St. Louis, want to do something, go to the city museum. Of course, right now during the COVID, it's probably closed, but um, it's amazing. I mean, there's a school, they have a school bus that's suspended from this huge building. You can walk out on the school bus and you're looking down like 20 stories or something. Also, but in the middle of Cincinnati or the St. Louis City Museum is this maze uh, of uh, that kids will climb in and they can go up in these tunnels, this whole tunnel system. And you walk grabbing these, um, these metal bars, right? And uh, I thought, hey, I'm going to do this with my kids. And uh, yeah, I got trapped. Kids are like, and it's a, it's, a, it's a legit tunnel system. And all I can sit there and think is, I'm going to be the guy that's going to be on the 11 o'clock news. The rescue crew had to come and, and uh, rescue all these kids running around. And uh, so not anywhere close to what Danny was, was dealing with. And he said that he began to realize that uh, um, the more he moved forward in the cave, that there really was no way to go back out. It was go forward and that's it. And Mr. Thrill Seeker, Mr. Adrenaline Junkie Danny, begins to be overcome with fear and panic. Uh, He said, of all the things he's done, this was the most terrified he had ever been. As he's now in a place where to move forward... He couldn't breathe at the same time he had to move because to inhale and exhale, there just wasn't enough room. And he's, he's flipping out. And Mr. F- Mr. Thrill Seeker comes to a point where he has absolutely no shame. And he just begins to tell his guide, hey, I, I, I'm flipping out here. To which the guide says this. He says, Danny, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen to my voice. I'm going to keep talking. I want you to simply do what I ask you to do. I want you to be calm and if you'll listen, I'll guide you through this. Don't let your mind think about where you're at and how scared you are. Don't allow those feelings of panic and obviously claustrophobia, right, to overwhelm you. Do one thing, one thing. Just close your eyes and listen to my voice. And so that's what Danny did. And guess what? He came through that passageway into the most incredible chamber in that cave. Danny talks about that story and he says, you know, the thing that freed him from the panic and the fear 
that he was overwhelmed with in that moment was not trying hard to quit thinking about how scared and panicked he was. The thing that freed him to keep moving was simply listening to his guide's voice. That's all he needed to do was just allow every part of his mind to focus on what his guide was telling him. And for me, Psalm 103 is that voice that you and I need to hear. I don't need to tell you that all of our lives, sometimes we come to places where we feel like we're Danny in that passageway. We're squeezed, we're panicked, we're fearful. Uh, We can't go backward. The only thing we can go forward, but we're not even sure if we can move. I would tell you that it seems like, especially through this season of our world and our country and our community, that some of those things seem to be squeezing us also. And I think Psalm 103 is that voice that we always need to hear. Psalm 103 is what I want to just spend some time just saturating in. Or if it's grilling season for you, marinating in, right? Just allowing what God is saying about himself and who we are as his children to be the thing that we hear above and beyond everything else. The thing that we know in the midst of whatever present circumstance we're in. The thing that we're assured of regardless of your struggle or my struggle with feelings of inferiority or self-confidence or doubt or self-esteem. Whatever those things that tend to... uh, that tend to nick at our lives, that drag us down, that cause us to struggle, cause us to lose sight of who we are and whose we are. Psalm 103 would be that voice that you always hear above and beyond whatever it is you might be living in or with. I just want to soak in this for a couple months and let it become the dominant voice that we hear above all other voices and in all present circumstances. You see, Psalm 103, it's amazing. There's no mention of an enemy or foe or a threat. There's none of that in Psalm 103. There's no requests. He doesn't ask God for anything. There's no complaints. There's no petitions. This is just simply a psalm of God revealing to us who he is and because of who he is, what his disposition is toward his children. We're calling this series Living in the Goodness of God because of all the other places, and we're gonna take some time this morning and and see what the scriptures talk about and how God's disposition of goodness is toward us. 
But this psalm begins to flesh out what that goodness looks like. It begins to show us, okay, you tell me God is good. Well, this is what it means for God to be good. All down through this psalm, we see that God is showing us that he is good. And because he is good, this affects this part of my life. This thing that I might struggle with. This and that, this and that. His goodness. It's why the word all is used eight times in this psalm. Because God's goodness is all encompassing. It's easy, I think, for us to compartmentalize so many things. And even so often we compartmentalize even God's nature uh, or his disposition, his actions toward us. It's easy sometimes to think about God in the sense of the gospel. And I know God so loved the world that he gave his only son and that that provides for me an opportunity to have a relationship with God, to experience forgiveness, to have a new life. And I get that and I see God's goodness. But then often when we go through certain struggles and trials, uh, we can believe in God's goodness for our salvation, but sometimes our vision gets cloudy, it's dimmed, it's distorted when we think about how we're going to get through or how we're going to deal or what I'm going to do with this in my life. And this psalm just shatters any kind of compartmentalization of God's goodness. God's goodness is all-encompassing in every area of your life, whatever circumstance you're dealing with, or even how you are navigating through who, what your identity is. God's goodness is all-encompassing. I think it's amazing that when we begin to think about God's goodness, one of the things that first comes to my mind is uh, Moses. If, if you remember Moses, he had established such a relationship with God that he had a confidence and a boldness that one time he just looked at God and said, I just want to see you, God. I hear your voice. I see how you act in phenomenal ways. I know your power. I just want to see you. Like there's a boldness. I just want to see you, God. Remember what God said. Moses, you don't want to see me. You wouldn't be able to handle that. But I will. I will give you a glimpse of myself. You remember that, how that played out on the mountain. And this is what God said about what he was going to reveal to Moses about himself. I will make all of my goodness pass before you. Moses, I'm going to give you a glimpse of me, and that glimpse is going to be my goodness. To me, that's just startling. Why not my holiness, my righteousness, all the things that I might have gravitated toward to say, hey, this is who I am. This is why I am other. This is, and yet God has always been intent, always been intent consistent theme through scripture that he is intent on communicating, revealing, helping us to understand the core of who he is. He is good. I think he knows that that's what we need more than anything else. Because from the beginning, the enemy of our soul has always tried to rob out of our minds and our hearts this idea that God loves God cares, God is good. And God is consistently coming back, 
through scripture over and over and over again. This is what you need to realize about me. I am a good God. And Psalm 103 is just a place where we see that fleshed out and examples of what that looks like, how, what that means for you and me in different areas of our lives, how that deals with my past, how that deals with my present, how that deals with my future, how I, how I deal with my sin, how I deal with my identity, just in so many ways, it's all encompassing when we see God's goodness in this psalm. So this is what we're gonna center around as we walk through this psalm. A couple Key thoughts. The goodness of God creates the conditions for quality of life. Are you guys awake? Everybody good? Oh no, we're just gonna shut her down right now. Go get lunch. No, everybody's awake, right? Okay, good. Well, I don't know if I'm like just, you know. Hey, um, it's just me. Sometimes I, I get paranoid. You guys know that about me already. I, I, I do get paranoid. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Maybe too much is, to, anyway. So um, less is more, less is more, right? The goodness of God creates the conditions for quality of life. When I say quality of life, that's kind of a, um, a statement that we've gotten familiar with, right? Uh, we want the best quality of life, right? And quality of life for us so often means health right? Good quality of life means good health uh, or access to good health care. Or it means quality of life means a certain economic milestone or standard or standing, right? If I could just reach this economic uh, milestone that I will have a quality of life. I will be able to, to buy a certain quality of life. Quality of life is comforts, right? That we pursue, so that we can experience quality of life. I would like to rattle that cage just for a minute and say that yes, absolutely, that good health brings a certain quality of life, that economic standing can bring a certain quality of life, that all of those things are not necessarily wrong, but they are secondary. The primary quality of life is interior. It's spiritual in nature. That the best quality of life that you and I could ever pursue is to be at rest with who we are, with our identity. That's quality of life. Because there's all sorts of people that have achieved great health, great economic standing, uh, uh, have all the comforts of home of everything and would say that they are living hell on earth. Quality of life starts primarily in your spirit, in your soul. And the goodness of God creates the conditions for you and I to experience a quality of life. You will see as we walk through this psalm, that as we begin to understand what God is saying to us, it can't help but help us understand how loved, how valued we truly are. 
And in that standing, in that identity that we begin to take on, it increases our confidence, our hope. It puts us at rest. It helps us to live at peace. It affects every part of our life that gives us a quality of life that is far beyond whether I'm healthy and wealthy and comfortable. And it's the goodness of God that creates the conditions for quality of life. Think about what the psalmist said as he finished up that 23rd Psalm. He said this, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days. We just sang this, right? Your goodness is running after me. Think about what the psalmist said in 84 and in chapter 84 and verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Sun is unlimited source, it's power. Shield is unlimited protection. So I have all that I need and I'm protected for anything. It's security. The Lord God bestows faith. God, it or not. In fact, he delights in being gracious to us. It's not like you earned it, so I'll give it to you. It's like, I just give it, I, I just bestow favor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, whose walk is blameless. No good thing does he withhold. Surely goodness and mercy are running after me all the days of my life. See, when we begin to sink our minds into this reality that the goodness of God is, is surrounding us, it's pursuing us, it begins to change our identity. It begins to strengthen our self-confidence. It begins to do this work in the interior of who we are that causes us to live more hopeful more confident, more at peace. And the things of, that always are trying to rob, kill, and destroy in our life, the fears, the worries, the anxieties, the, uh, the image issues, the comparison traps, all of those things that are always trying to drag us down, that cause us to want to struggle when we live with this understanding of how good God is and what that means for who I am, it chases those things away quickly and our quality of life is lived right where God intended for it to be. Confident, bold, loved, valued. This is the voice that we need to be hearing above everything the goodness of God. The second thing I, I want us to realize as we walk through this is the goodness of God becomes the catalyst for a growing life. That as we encounter the goodness of God, as we're, uh, and again, I don't want to start reading down through those verses. We're going to spend time uh, on a weekly basis with them. As we begin to realize just how much God thinks about us and how much he values us and how he does not treat us according to what we deserve and he does not repay us according to our sins and all this stuff. 
when we begin to realize just how much we're favored by God and loved by God, valued by God, it becomes a catalyst for us to begin to open ourselves up more and more and more and more to his lordship in our life, right? Think about what Romans chapter two says. He's talking early on, he's, he's presenting a bunch of arguments in those first three chapters, and he, he, kind of, he drops this, I, it's been something I've never forgot, I always remember this verse, and he says, do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, forbearance, and his patience? Do you not realize that God's kindness, his goodness, is intended to do one thing, to lead you to Repentance to be blown away by just how much God loves, how much he's willing to forgive, how much he has designed for your life and mine, undeserved though it might be, it begins to open us up to turn from our own self-sufficiency, our own willfulness, and to realize that this goodness that God offers me, regardless of my mistakes, regardless of my sin, regardless of you know my foolishness, he continues to run after me with this goodness. It causes me to begin to not want to seek anything else but to live in that goodness. It begins to change my life. It leads me to repent. And repentance is a, is a disposition of, my, of, of a Christian's life that begins in the new birth, but continues throughout my walk with God as I grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, as I desire to chase away any sinfulness in my life and to pursue what it is to be Christ-like in all. The catalyst for that is not, hey, you, you stink, get better, do better. It's this goodness of God that continues to offer love, forgiveness, mercy, and hope. Amen? It truly is. The thing that changed my life was not the realization that uh, I'm a sinner and I need to do something about that and blah, 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 blah. I knew I was a sinner. You keep telling me that, it didn't, it didn't change me at all. What changed me was I realized the grace and the love that God had for me and what he had done for me and what he offered to me as undeserving as I was. And that continues to be the catalyst that begins to move my life toward being molded and fashioned and made into the image of Jesus Christ. And so the more I encounter the goodness of God, my quality of life continues to be better. It's what I would say is Jesus, what Jesus called was the abundant life. The abundant life is a life that is full inside, not abundant in possessions, abundant in spirit, in faith, in love, in peace, abundant in the fruits of the spirit. The thing, the thing that sets that is the goodness of God, but it's also the goodness of God that continues to draw me 
into a growing, transformed life. Goodness is responsible for abundance and goodness is responsible for transformation. As we walk through this, we're gonna see that that's where God wants to take us through his goodness. It's why Romans 8, 28 would say, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What's his purpose? 8.29 says, to be conformed to the image of his son. So his goodness becomes a catalyst for conforming us into this growing life of being made like Jesus Christ. It's so quiet in here. I'm not. God's goodness means that he wants the very best for us. Our fears, anxieties, relationship breakdowns, sense about the future, at the root of all of those things that cause us turmoil and problems, it's because we have a dim view, a clouded view, or maybe even a distorted view of who God is. We don't see how good he is, how much he loves us, and how, as his child, we are in the best, safest place possible. We lose sight of that. As we lose sight of his goodness, we, became, we become also dim in our view of who we are, uh, who are with our relationships, a distorted view of our future. And it leads us to this, this turmoil about our security and our significance. And all the while, God is simply wanting us to be drawn back to his goodness, to realize that in him, and through him and because of his goodness. We don't need to worry. We don't need to fear. We don't need to doubt. We don't need to live with insecurity. We don't need to live in comparison traps. As his child, through his goodness, there is no better place to live. That's why he says this. That's why he says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God just invites us. He says, listen, you want to know? Just try it. Try it. It's, it's like Costco, right? Um, do, you, do you go to Costco? I've become a Costco fan. Um, I love Costco. Uh, and guess what? I go into Costco. I have five things I need to buy. And then I walk down that far aisle, and you know what's there, right? except for in the COVID, like it's gone in the COVID, but like there's samples, that's right. Like I can tell you every place where there's samples. I'm not quite like Dave Lutz. Dave Lutz goes around lunchtime just to get lunch through the sample. He's that cheap. No, honestly, he does. I'm not kidding. He's told me that before many times. Like I go... I go around lunchtime and I don't have to go by lunch. I just eat the samples. But you know what the whole idea, the premise is. Taste it and see how good it is. And you taste it and you're like, man. That's what the Lord's saying, taste and see. You see, so often our mindset about relationship with God or living in relationship with God, uh, there's an ought of obligation. 
I should do this. I ought to do this. I ought to follow him. I ought, and all the while, God's ought is an ought of opportunity. It's kind of like this. Um, I could say you ought to drive the speed limit. I'm placing upon you an obligation, right? Amen? That's always nice. Yesterday, I'm coming back from Menards, and I'm, I, I'm listening to a song. I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing when I get home, and I'm pressing the gas pedal a little bit too fast, right? And I'm in the passing lane, and I'm going 74, and I go past this van, and I glance over, and it's somebody I know. <laughs> like, oh, great. So I just... Right, Ben? <laughs> ben, uh, do that. Or there's the ought of, for me, like the most beautiful place in the United States is Rocky Mountain National Park. I was supposed to be here today, I think, or I was going to be there this week. And I can come to you and say, hey, you ought to go see Rocky Mountain National Park, right? I'm not placing on you an obligation. I'm just saying there's, a, there's an opportunity that you ought to take, right? And God is saying, taste and see how good I am. The oughts of Jesus are oughts of opportunity, far more than their oughts of obligation. The ought of obligation is a very base understanding of relationship with God. The ought of opportunity is to live in relationship that God has truly designed for us. And he's saying, taste and see. Taste and see what? How good I am. I guarantee you that if you'll experience the goodness I have, you are not going to go any else. And so Psalm 103 begins this way. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. As we begin to unpack this psalm, we realize right at the beginning that there is a sense of over and over three times in these first two verses, it's the psalmist grabbing a hold of himself and an intentional act saying, I will choose to think about. I will choose to allow my mind. I will grab a hold of my thoughts and I will focus on, forget not all his benefits. That's what we tend to do. I will choose intentionally to grab a hold of my thoughts, my minds, and focus on who God is. For you and I, living in the goodness of God does begin with the intentional act of filling my mind with the truth of God. And that's what he's doing here. It's kind of like that old saying, I says to myself, self, right? You recognize that? You guys ever do that to yourself? No, you don't. I says to myself, self, that's what he's doing here. I says to myself, self, you need to think about truly how good God is. I've talked about this ad nauseum over and over. The scriptures tell us that God desires for us to control 
our thoughts, our minds, to take captive, to, uh, to take captive, to dwell on these things. That word in Philippians. He says in Colossians, set your mind. These are all action words on our part where we are doing the action. We are called to take a hold of our thought life. And that is what he's doing here. As he begins thinking about the goodness of God, he realizes that he needs to allow his mind to be singularly focused on this one voice this one stream of thought, this one idea, and that is how good God is. And so to begin to live in the goodness of God, we model the psalmist when we understand that there is intentionality on our part to fill my mind with the truth of who God is. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his and so my challenge for you as we begin to, to look through this psalm over the next weeks, fill your mind with what it says. To begin to live in the goodness of God is to begin by filling your mind with the truth of God. So I'm asking you to do something. I got you some homework today. I won't put you on the spot too. I might make liars out of a few of you. But I'm asking you through this series, will you be willing to read Psalm 103 five times a week? Five times a week. I don't care if you read other things, that's great, but five times a week, just read Psalm 103. Fill your mind with the truth of God so that you can begin to live in the goodness it begins with this, grabbing a hold and hearing that voice. You only hear that voice by opening his word. So will you do that with me? Five times a week. Raise your hand if you'll do that with me. All right. I'm not looking at you. I don't know who to raise your hand. You're, hey, it's between you and God now. That's how we begin. Forget not his benefits. We fill our minds with the truth of God so that we can live in the goodness of God. That's why Psalm 31 would say this. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. I hope that as we saturate in Psalm 103, that your quality of life gets better and better and better because you begin to realize just how loved you are, how secure you are. You begin to realize what your identity truly is, not what the world places on you, but what God the Father And at the same point, as you begin to realize how God is so gracious and loving and kind, his goodness is just, it begins to create in our heart not only this secure identity, but it begins to release our grip on those things that we keep holding on to. 
that we think maybe we can do a better job with, or we're just not sure we want to let God, when you begin to just saturate in how good God is and you realize that his plans for us are good, I just begin to kind of let go a little bit more. Say, you know what? You're so good. I can trust you with that area of my life. I can trust you with this. I can continue to believe and know that you're gonna work this out. I just see his goodness becomes a catalyst for you and I to surrender our lives and grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's do that. Let's just live in the goodness of God and realize truly who we are whose we are in Christ Jesus. Father, I just pray today. I just feel like as a church body, one of the best things we can do right now, all the voices around us, all the competing messages, all the elevated anxieties and doubts and uncertainties, it can be so easy to feel squeezed by it, to lose sight of you, your truth, your plan. But Lord, the thing we need most to see about you is your goodness. We just need to live in that. And so Lord, I'm praying in my own heart and in every heart of those who are here, that we would just maybe become acquainted or become better acquainted with your goodness. We would allow that to shape and mold our identity. We would allow that to grow our hope and our faith. We would continue to, out of your goodness, become more and more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, because you're so good, you're so trustworthy. There is no better place in the world than to be in the center of your will. Help us to grab a hold of that. Help us to believe that. I am sure that as we think on, saturate in your goodness, that our quality of life is going to grow. We realize how good you are, the things we worry about and are anxious about, fearful of. They just, they get smaller. I'm confident as we live in your goodness, we're just going to be more apt to continue to allow you to be Lord in our life, to, to see your lordship expand in all areas of our life. Because you're good and you have our best interest at heart and you know exactly what you're doing with us. And we're always, always, always fulfilled when we follow you. There's been not one time that I've ever regretted following you in some area of my life, never once. And when I see your goodness, I'm just drawn more and more to give you my life completely. So Lord, do that over these weeks. May Psalm 103 
live in our hearts and fill our minds and be our default thinking in the midst of struggle, trial, difficult circumstances. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus, who is the goodness of God personified. Thanks again for listening in today. And thanks to those who give so faithfully so that together we can continue to be the light of Christ in this generation as you sow into the life and mission here at NAPNAS. If you feel led to give or to learn more about NAPNAS, simply head to napnas.org. There you'll find previous messages as well as everything going on in the life of the church. And if you found value in today's message, would you share this with a friend or on social, because it is together that we exist to help people take their next steps in a transforming relationship with the Prince of Peace and King of Hope, Jesus Christ.